It's an honor to preach this morning, and I, um, I'm thankful that I am able to continue today in our series through Ephesians. Last week, we took a break when Kendall Age was here, but today we are back in our series through Ephesians, and as you heard Bob read, we are in Ephesians 4, verse 17 to 24. The first few words in verse 17 are important words for us because we see in those few words that Paul is establishing his authority to write these words. He is saying, now I say this and I testify in the Lord. So what Paul is saying is, I am writing these words down But I am not writing them down in the authority of Paul the Apostle. I am writing them down. I testify in the Lord. I am writing these words with the authority of the Lord. And as we know as Christians and as we believe, those words that are in the Bible are God's actual words and carry authority. It's important that he do that so that he can remind the Ephesian Christians that there is authority in what he is about to tell them. That authority, church, is as important for you and me to understand today as it was for the Ephesian church, the Ephesian Christians. Because if we are to believe the words of the Bible, if we are allow the words to impact us and to change us and to have an effect on us, then we have to believe that they are the words of God and they carry the authority of God. Because if we don't, if we don't believe that this is actually God's word and it has authority over our lives, if we don't believe that, we will dismiss it. We will dismiss it as a whole or we will dismiss the parts that we find to be mysterious or the parts that seem to be contradictory or the parts that we don't like. So as Paul establishes the authority of Scripture this morning, so I urge you this morning when we approach this Scripture to realize this is the Word of God that has authority over our lives. Every time we go to this Word, whether it's here in church or you're sitting in your living room or you're sitting under a tree and you read this Word, you are reading the authoritative Word of God. If we don't believe that, we will not obey. We will dismiss. So may God help us to realize that. Verses 17 to 24 that Bob read this morning kicks off a very practical section of Scripture in Ephesians 4 for us. It is, in a matter, a doctrinal foundation that Paul is laying on which we will build later as we see him speaking to very practical issues like lying and anger and stealing and corruption. It's important that we view this as our doctrine on how do we view stealing and anger and corruption because what we believe, the doctrine that we believe, forms how we live. And so it is important that Paul sets a platform a high-profile introduction platform for us this morning. 
Here's a fact. The greatest problem that any man and any woman has ever had, that has ever lived, is that they have separation between them and God. It is because every man and every woman who has ever lived is by nature sinful and God is by nature holy and without sin. And therefore there exists a separation between man, man and woman, and God. On the cross, Jesus came and he overcame this problem when he made reconciliation between man and God. He made reconciliation by becoming a sacrifice for our sins. And in so doing, he made reconciliation for us. This is, church, the core of Christianity. And if you are not a Christian today, I want to tell you that you do not become a Christian by upholding the moral laws of God. You also don't become a Christian by sitting here from when you're six years old until you're 30 years old. You become a Christian when you believe that what Christ did on the cross, He did for you. When you acknowledge that there is separation between me and God. When you acknowledge that I have sin. When you acknowledge that Christ died the death I was supposed to die. He was the sacrifice that was supposed to be me. And because He did that, I am reconciled. When you acknowledge that in return, He gave you His righteousness. What does it mean? It means that one day you can stand before the holy God, the judge, and not be found guilty because of the innocence of Christ and the innocent blood that was shed for you. And when you acknowledge that, and when you ask forgiveness of your sins, and you acknowledge Christ's work on the cross as sufficient for you, then you become a Christian. When you believe that He sent His Son to die for you, so that when you believe in Him, you may not perish, but have everlasting life then He will save you and He will prepare a place for you in eternity with Him. That is the greatest news anyone can ever hear. If you are a Christian, then your greatest need is no longer separation from God, but our greatest need is to have our hard, selfish, sinful, idolatrous hearts renewed. Our challenge now is different. Our challenge now becomes to be more like Christ, to grow in holiness, to grow in what we believe about God, to believe truth about Him, to grow in how we enjoy God, to grow in our desire for Him, to grow in holiness. And that is the main burden of the scripture that we approach this morning. We're going to look at three main points. A call away from futile living, putting on and putting off, and renewal of our minds. Paul says in verse 17, You must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. 
And then he goes on to describe what that is in verses 18 to 19. Well, we have to understand it as Paul is speaking, Paul is writing this not to an unregenerate people. He is writing to Christians. He's writing to the Ephesian Christians. And so what Paul is saying to them, he is saying to us this morning, no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. And so what he is really saying when he is saying in verse 18 to 19 what that futility looks like, Paul is giving us a revealing analysis of the human heart. Your heart and my heart, the hearts that needs regeneration so we can grow in godliness. It's important that we start here and know that the human heart is depraved and that is the basis for our sinfulness so that we don't think of our sin as only bad actions because if we think of our sins as bad actions only we'll have the we will try to fix them because that's what we do with bad actions we fix them but church the change that needs to take place in your heart and my heart is a renewal of our hearts not a renewal of our actions. A renewal of our hearts is what God is after. And so look with me what, how Paul describes the human heart. We're going to read in verse 18 and 19. He says, It's darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Due to their hardness of heart, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. And so we see in those two verses, six conditions of the human heart, six conditions that needs regeneration. We start with hardness of heart. Now let me tell you, like Gravity this morning impacts everyone in this room because of the constant force of gravity. In the same way, hardness of heart impacts everyone in this room and every other living creature by its constant draw. This is fundamentally our deep problem that without the free and sovereign grace of God, our hearts are hard towards God. Our hearts are cold stone hard towards everything that is spiritual. It does not impact us. It does not draw us. It does not delight us. We do not seek it. We don't pursue it. We don't savor it. Our hearts are by nature hard against God and all he stands for. That's the first thing that Paul says about our hearts. They are hard. The result of hardened hearts is ignorance towards God. Verse 18 says, ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. This is evidenced by how often we live totally oblivious of God on a day-to-day -day basis. Colossians 1 and verse 16 says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, 
visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Do you realize that the grass out there and the trees you see in the air that you see was created for Christ? Everything was created for Christ. The patients you will see this week, the children you will teach this week, the molecules you will study about this week, the, the historians that you're going to read about this week, all of those were created for Christ, to bring glory to Christ. And our hearts being hardened becomes ignorant in that we don't ever for a single moment during the day, think that all of this that we see and work with were created for Christ. Our hearts are ignorant of that fact. Verse 18 goes on to say, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance. So hardness of heart leads to ignorance which in turn leads to darkness in our understanding. A darkness that keeps us from seeing the mystery of the glories of Christ and the mysteries of the glories of the Christian life on a day-to-day -day basis. And this darkness, according to Ephesians 5 verse 8, is not just external. It says that the unrenewed heart not only has darkness, but it is darkness. This is the heart church that needs regeneration. Heart, ignorant, and dark. Verse 19 says they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality. Sometimes that word is, the word licentious is used. Callousness against is an expression of hardness, right? So this says that because of the hardness of their heart, they are given to sensuality. The sensual life is a life that lives for its own desires, its own pleasures, and its own cravings. It is a life that does not live or esteem God. That's a sensual life. It lives for anything but God. It may be sex or other pleasures or drugs or food. But ultimately it will be something other than God. It is a sensual lifestyle. The heart that is heart and ignorant and dark will become sensual or licentious. And then verse 19 says, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. On a practical level, this is the walking like the Gentiles do. It's the outermost layer of the corrupt heart that eventually spills over in a lifestyle that does whatever it wants, greedy for impurity of every kind, completely ignorant of the results, not caring about the results. And this is because of a darkness that covers our hearts. My friends, these things, the hardness and the darkness and the ignorance and the sensuality and the impurity are really the symptoms of our hearts' corrupt, depraved 
condition. And we see what that is in verse 18 when Paul is saying they are alienated from the life of God. And so we see that the hardness and the ignorance and the darkness and the sensuality and the impurity leads to alienation from the life of God. This seals our hopelessness. It seals our hopelessness without God's miraculous help. And in Ephesians 2 verse 1 says it like this. We are dead in our trespasses and sins. And Ephesians 3 verse 12 says it like this. Having no hope and without God in this world. That is the condition of the human heart. And every one of us was alienated from God until that day that the gospel broke in. The light of the gospel shone into dark hearts and illuminated it. And we were called out of darkness into His marvelous light. This is what futile living is. This is the lifestyle you and I are called to no longer live because it ultimately leads to death. So Paul has what looks to be a simple two-step process to no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Verse 22 says, Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And verse 24 says, And put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So a two-step process. Put off your old self or your old person or your old nature and put on your new self or your new person or your new nature. And immediately we wonder, okay, what is the old person? How do I put it off? How do I put on this new person and who is that? And that's what we need to look at. Colossians 3, starting in verse 5, gives us a really good clue about the old person. It says this, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. So at first glance, this seems like all right, my old self is a truckload full of sin that he just mentioned here. But it is not that. There's more to it. Look at verse 9 again that we just read in Colossians 3. It says, put off the old self with its practices. So it just mentioned all the practices, all the sins, all the things that we need to put off. But there's more. It says put off the old self with its practices. And so we realize here that the old self is not what I do, but who I am. 
The old man simply put is, is me, the self. It is who I am, or rather who I was before I was called, with all my actions and attitudes and aspirations. It is me, it is all of me at a heart level, is the old man. And we need to realize that it is not only sinful actions, but it is me. How about the new person? Also Colossians 3, now in verse 12, helps us see the new person. Paul is saying, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So when we read this, we may think, oh, okay, the new man is a good set of actions. And maybe I can just replace the old set of bad actions with a new set of good actions. And that's replacing the old man with the new man. That's not what it is. If we look at Ephesians 4, our scripture again this morning, it says, put on the new self. And then look at this, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. The old person was who I was before I was called out of darkness. The new person is whom I am created to be in the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness what unusual words this Paul man he can use the, the strangest words and so we wonder why did he not just go up to them and go like you Ephesians stop it stop your old ways Here's a list of things you can do. You're Christians now, so here are the laws. This is what you need to do. If you're a Christian, this is the way you act. So do this. And of course, there's a good reason. There's a good reason why Paul do not do this, because becoming more like Christ, growing in our holiness, is not accomplished through moral self-improvement. It is not accomplished through dedicated, focused willpower. That is legalism. We love that. We want to do it all the time. But that is legalism. And even thinking that we can change in that way is prideful. But the Christian life is not a legalistic life. The Christian life is a grace-filled life. Grace through faith. Why? Because so that when we change, God can get the glory and not us. We would love to get the glory, but because it is grace through faith, God will get the glory when we change. Now, I have to say, when we get into this putting off and putting on, many times there's an illustration that's used when you think of this as somebody standing with a jacket and he says, this is... This is what Paul is saying. Put off the old self. And takes his jacket off. Put on the new self. 
have a new jacket, put on a new jacket. I don't like that illustration. I don't like that illustration for several reasons. And as we go through, I will add to them. I don't like it because it makes it seem simple. It makes it look like, oh, off, on, I'm good. And it is not simple like that. It also makes it seem like I can actually do it. But this is one of those things in the Bible that we are called to do that we really cannot do. We, we cannot do what Paul is asking us to do. And so I don't like that illustration of putting off a jacket and putting on a jacket. Look with me in verse 22 and verse 24 again. It's really interesting. It says, the old person corresponds to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, whereas the new person is created after the likeness of God and in true righteousness and holiness. Can you see it? God creates the new person. The new person we are to put on, he creates that new person. I don't have to make a new me. God does that. He creates me after his own likeness. And that's part of why I don't like the jacket put off and put on. What, what you should do then is just stand there and wait that God can change your jacket. And I don't have a jacket like that. So I can't use that illustration. But friends, there is no, remember that this is one process. There's not, I lay down my old self, now I'm selfless, and then I put on a new self, now I'm new. No, the, the, this process, which is done by God, is just creating a new me, a new person, and as he creates the new person, the old one will go away. That is putting on a new me, putting off the old me. I am told to pursue holiness by putting off and putting on. But the free gift of God is creating a holiness in me. So the work that I am assigned to, de to do, he already did for me. Legalism says, change yourself. Grace says, the change required of you is created for you after the likeness of God. Wow. That is pretty amazing. But how do we get there? What is the path going from corrupt through deceitful desires to after the likeness of God. Okay, God creates this, but surely Paul is saying this so that there must be a vehicle. What changes this? What changes from corrupt to God's likeness? And I believe the answer to that is found in verse 23. It says, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That is what will change from the old to the new man. The first thing we need to notice about the, 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 
those words, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, again is the language. It does not say renew yourself in the spirit of your mind. It says we are to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. This is grace language once more. It is speaking of receiving a free gift of renewal of the spirit of our minds. So how do we how do we get there? How are we then renewed in the spirit of our mind? How does God choose to remind, renew our spirits to create this new person? We do not just stand there and go like, all right, I'm going to wait until I'm changed. Colossians 3 again, verses 1 to 3, gives practical help on how we respond and the vehicle God uses to create a new me by renewing my spirit of my mind. It says, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So church, there is a call for us here to set our minds not on the transient things of this life, but to set our minds on the things of Christ, on the glories of Christ, on the mercies of Christ. We are to become Christ-minded people. How do we do that? We don't do that by just standing apathetically. Practically, it means we spend time in the Word of God. This is the truth. If there is absolute truth on earth, this is absolute truth on earth. We spend time in here because when we do, our minds will be Christ-focused. We don't just spend it in the New Testament. We spend it all over here because Christ is written all over those pages. We listen to sermons. We live in an era where it is so easy to listen to amazing sermons from, from preachers all over the globe by tapping a few buttons. We can listen to sermons that is God-exalting and Christ-focused. This will help us to focus on the things of where Christ are. We should talk about Christ. We should talk about Christ to our friends and our teachers and our children and our parents and our spouses. And speak of the glories of Christ. We should read books that exalt Christ. We should listen to music that exalts Christ. And here I have to bring a, 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 a very small warning. When you read books and when you listen to music, you have to be a person who is discerning. Especially in music, there's a lot of junk Christian music out there that does not exalt Christ, but exalts human nature. You need to listen to what you listen to because when we hear that music repeatedly, repeatedly and it is wrong theology, we will believe what we hear over and over and over. Amen. 
But there's good music out there that is focused on Christ. And we need to listen to it because when we do, we put our minds where Christ is. And as we draw near in those ways, as we seek Christ, he will draw near to us. You know what happens at that moment, church? Our desire for the world becomes really small because Christ satisfies us totally. And then the Spirit works in us to renew our spirit and to create a new person. Can you see what the new person is? The new person is not me putting on some new jacket. The new person is me focusing on Christ. And when I focus on Him and where He is, He creates through that. He creates a new person in me because I get satisfied in Him. He creates, He renews the spirit of my mind in me. It's His work. 2 Corinthians 4 tells us that Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed. Here we see renewed again. Day by day. As we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. The Spirit is the one, church, who renews the spirit of our minds. As we look to Christ... As we look to him and we see his mercies, he renews our spirit. I like, I like the fact that it says it is done day by day. The spirit is working in us day by day. As we look to him, the spirit renews our minds day by day. As he re renews our minds, he creates a new person in me day by day. This is a process that is ongoing and we are called to participate in by seeking Christ. And then he will renew us and he will put a new spirit in us. Paul warns us not to look at worldly things. There is a type of false Christianity that is almost indistinguishable from the way the world lives. If all we focus on is enjoyment and leisure and sports and movies and home improvements and art and hobbies and girlfriends and technology, if that is what occupies our minds, then we look like the world. Those things will not lead to transformed, renewed minds. They will lead to separation. And so we are called to seek Christ. And then he will renew us. Am I saying we should never have any fun? We should never go to a ball game again or never go to a movie again? It's not what I am saying. But what I am saying is that when we seek the things that are above where Christ is... The joys of God will so overshadow the joys of this life that eventually our love for these things will become really diminished as he creates a new person in us.
And church, this is where each one of us have to test ourselves. This is where each one should honestly go before the Lord and say, do I spend my time and my money and my attention and, and my talents, do I spend this on the things down here or do I spend this on the things up there where Christ is? And if we find ourselves to be so in, involved in this life, to spend the majority of our time and our efforts and our talents here for this life, things that are temporal, things that are useless, we need to go before the Lord and repent of that. And ask Him, Lord, will you please change me? Will you help me to focus on Christ and where He is? So that when I do that, you will create a new me. So that you will renew the spirit of my mind. So that I will not be alienated from you. But that I will be in close union with you. And we have to do that. We have to do that on a continual basis. We don't do that once and go away. Because our sinful desires is for the pleasures of this world. It is a constant battle for us to seek Christ where he is and not the world down here. Church, I hope you feel the weight of these words from Paul. You see, the, this transaction that, that he's speaking about, laying off the old man, putting on the new man, which is formed by Christ in us as we look to him, is not optional. It's not an optional thing in our lives. We cannot say, I became a Christian and now I look like the world, so I'm okay. It's not optional. Without it, we may find ourselves alienated from God. Hebrews 12 and verse 14 says this. It says, strive... For the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. There is a holiness, church. There is a holiness without which we will not see the Lord. This is not optional. The holiness that God wants to work in us through the renewing of the spirit of our mind, through the putting on of the new person that is formed in his likeness and his holiness must happen in us so that we can grow in our holiness, so that we can have the type of holiness that we can see the Lord. There's an example, a picture of this in Matthew 22 when we read the parable of the wedding feast. And we see the king sent out his servants and said, go and get the people who were invited to the wedding feast. And they went and they came back and said, nobody is coming. And they went again and nobody was coming. And then the king said to them, go to the main roads and invite as many as you find. And they came. But the sobering part comes at the end of the section, in, starting in verse 11. It says, but when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, 
How did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot, and cast him into the outer darkness, in the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is a parable for us, church. This man... This man had not put off his regular clothing. He had not put on the garment fit for the wedding that he attended. Directly translated for us, this man had not put down the old self by putting on the new self which is formed by Christ in us when we look to him, when we seek him, when we pursue him. And the result was that this man was alienated and that he was cast off. This transaction, church, is not optional for us. It has to happen in us. Is it not good news to know that Christ does that in us? Here is where we can find comfort that although God calls us to participate in his work of forming holiness in us, he is the faithful one who upholds us and who does the work in us. Even in the Old Testament, even in the Old Testament, we will see this grace when in Ezekiel 36 and verse 26, it says, And I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of stone. A heart of flesh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. What grace that God will do that for us. Church, this is not a legalistic message of this is what you do wrong, this is what you should be doing, now change. This is a message that says our natural man is broken. There's a new man that is formed by Christ in us, in the likeness of God. And when we pursue him, when we love him, when we seek him, when we seek what is dear to him, he will establish this new man and it will replace the old broken man in our lives. What grace there is for us in these words of Christ. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we want to thank you this morning that the words that you gave us this morning are not words of condemnation. They're not words that we will walk out here and think, I'm in big trouble. 
Because even the, though these are words that are impossible for us to lay down the old and put on the new, Lord, you are the one who does that for us. So God, this morning I want to ask that you will do this for us. As we sing now, will we start now, right now, to put our focus on the things above where you are? Lord, will you help us to focus not our attention on the things of this world, the useless things of this world, but on the eternal things of God? And as we do, I pray that you will form this new man in us. And I pray that you will show us, Lord, as we progress in that holiness, that it is not us who do this, but it is you who do this. By grace, you do this for us. You are an amazing God to call us to holiness, but then to work that same holiness in us. We thank you for that. Thank you that you hold us, uphold us, and sustain us. We love you, Lord. Amen.